Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Through Imperial Eyes. I'm your host, Braden Ledbetter. And I'm your co-host, Jackson Daylene. What's going on, Braden? Uh, nothing much. Um, if you're listening right now and you have not uh, listened to our latest episode of our new series, Imperial Cantina, go ahead and check that out because um, this weekend we talked with actor Addison Brown about The Empire Strikes Back and everything we love about it. Everything there is to talk about Empire, we talked about it. So, um, it was a good time. Was really it was fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and check that out um, if you haven't. It was a fun, fun conversation. But Jackson, what have you been up to for the past week or so Star Wars wise? Uh- um, so as our listeners probably have known, I'm currently, I'm better and good now, but I had COVID. So I have been quarantined, was quarantined for the last week. And, um, I spent most of my time just watching TV, doing nothing. I played some battlefront, but I got, um, I got galaxies of here, galaxy of heroes oh, yeah. and, uh, the, the, the mobile app and, um, it's fun. It's essentially just character grinding. That's all it mm. is. It's collect them all and get them to the highest level. But like each each like it does it with turn based combat and it, it's very basic. Just, you know, like there's like four to five different things that you can do until your energy runs out. But if you circulate them like well enough, you could just kind of keep grinding for hours. And that's essentially what I did was just <laughs> me and the girlfriend were both on our iPads watching, you know, TV. And I just was grinding characters and just leveling <laughs> up and just she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, I'm trying to get this clone to level 42 so I can fight this guy, you know? So that's how I am with all like mobile games is I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And like, I was like, I'll probably play this for, I haven't really touched it since out of quarantine, but I'm also like sitting there at work thinking like, Oh, my Poe Dameron's a little low level. That should probably, <laughs> I was like, I should probably get his gear up so I can get it good. So intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Right. It's fun. It's whatever. It's, it's yeah. cool. So what about you? Um, I haven't really been doing much, but this week I did buy the Jar Jar Binks, black series figure uh, right it's it, for audio oh, listeners i'm pointing <laughs> to my figure for jackson i i saw it okay, okay so here's the deal my birthday was earlier last month and i didn't know that target gives you like a five percent discount just like coupon to use for like that whole month and i only had like a day left to use it i was like crap i just need to use this and then i also realized that there was also another toy coupon for like 10 percent off any toy oh dude cool. so so I ended up getting like 20% off this $30 toy right here. And um, yeah, it just makes a nice addition to my collection. I need yeah, some Jar Jar in my life. It's a, cute, it's a really little... good, well-made figure. Really? And it's like, yeah, super detailed and it just looks awesome on the shelf I there. I so. don't know if I've owned any Black Series figures. I only have the Ray from the Rise of Skywalker and the Jar Jar. I think that's all I have Black Series wise. pretty cool. Now, so I noticed he's still in the box. Um in let's say in your future dream world your future dream home when you have your star wars room will you keep them in the box or will you take them out and pose them because i've seen both um i don't know it just i think it just depends on the figure like something like something like jar jar is probably something i would take out just because yeah like, I, like if it's if it's obviously rare and like like gonna be worth something i won't take it out but like i'll probably pose and if i've got cool figures i can put together and whatnot yeah um speaking of star wars toys we have to get we have to uh give our friend jj a big old shout out for um hooking up the show with some uh (laughs) some star wars models that we could build um i got a yoda 116th model from i forget what the company is um bandai bandai but um they're really cool and have you started building yours yet no actually i'm keeping mine 
uh, in my box and it's currently stored away in uh, a closet just because like, I don't know, we're going to get a new house. We're going to move here eventually and uh, I'll probably have a bigger area that I can just, you know, put together. I don't really have the space or room to like have a collection area. So... I plan for that. And once, once I have that, then I will build it. I, and for mine, it was, uh, I don't know the exact size, but it's a tie striker plastic model, like an airplane mm-hmm. model, but it's, you know, the tie strikers from rogue one, the, yeah. you know, the slanted two two wing tie fighters that were stationed on Scarif. It's pretty cool. So I'm excited to build it. Yeah. I definitely think it'll be, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, well, thank you, thank you, JJ, for that friend of the show. Um, we, we don't have very many news stories this week, so we'll kind of um get through those. What is the first story we got? Um, so this is kind of the I, I'll say this is the big one. The, the other news later is a little bit. At least it caught me by surprise. But um, yeah, it's cool to talk about and cool little information of what happened. Um, the Saturn Award nominations came out, which are the sci-fi award ceremony and whatnot for movies and TV and all that. And uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker was nominated 12 times. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. That's a good amount. That's at least something proud to say, like, you got nominated for that amount for something, even if they don't win. But um, I'll do a quick read through of what they were nominated for, and then we can just kind of have like a general discussion. Yeah. Um, so, uh, best actress, uh, Daisy Ridley was nominated, uh, for best supporting actor, Adam Driven and Ian McDermott, uh, were nominated, um, uh, best director, JJ Abrams, best screenplay, uh, Abrams and, um, Chris Terrio, um, best editing, the, uh, uh, uh best editing, which is, um, Marianne Brandon and Stefan Group, uh, best production design, Rick Carter and Kevin Jenkins, best film composer, John Williams, obviously, you know, God, uh, best film costume, Michael Kaplan. Best film makeup, Amanda Knight and Neil uh, Scanlan. Sorry, I wanted to Scanlan. Yeah, Best Neil Scanlan's vi- like the big, um, like the big creature guy. Oh, oh, okay. That was he like lot, he's been I've, doing them all for, from like the, all the sequels. I was stuff. like, I read Scanlan before, and then I had a brain yeah. fart reading it. Uh, and then finally, Best Visual Effects, which was uh, by Roger Gaia, uh, Neil Scanlan, Patrick Toback. Dominic Tucci, Tohi, Dominic Tohi. I think that's how you probably say that. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. I usually think movies like this take most of those awards with like production design, um, Mm. costumes and makeups and editing and all that fun stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, one that I think is very deserving of, um, the nomination I think is John Williams. Cause one, this was his last star Wars score, but also I think this is one of my, favorite star Wars scores from the rise of Skywalker. I love the music from the rise of Skywalker. I'd honestly have to listen to it for, to see if it stands out. Um, I do like the motifs that he uses for the sequel trilogy though. You know, I I love the, the, the themes that he created for the sequel trilogy. I think they're very good race theme, you know, is just one of those star Wars music that I always usually listen to. Yeah. And, I I love how Williams is able to create such new yet iconic themes yeah, like right. for each movie and each character. Um, but also I saw that Adam driver was nominated for supporting. I think he's the best actor in the sequels by far. I agree. Um, I think I'm, 
I was kind of hoping for an Oscar push for him for The Last Jedi. And I we was going to say, it. I was going to say, I was going to say, because like he's, the, yes, the best actor of the sequels, but he stands out in The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that he he is very deserving of the supporting actor, award, especially and you know, Daisy Ridley, of course. Yeah. She's wonderful as always. And JJ directing, it's always 50-50. Critics love him. Critics hate him. There's no telling who what people think about JJ yeah, ever. I think with um with what he had and what he did, like he didn't uh he didn't he didn't make uh let me word this how I wanna <laughs> he I think he was able to successfully complete his vision and made decisions that like with his help were very beneficial to the movie. Yeah. But there are other things that also happened. So, you yeah, know, there's, and a, there's just, a lot of there's a lot of problems people have with his directing style and, you know, understandable. But uh, yeah, I it would be cool to see any of these nominations um, turn into a win. But um, at this point, who knows? I don't know when the actual award ceremony is. I think it's um, maybe a little bit later this year. June 26th. No, June yeah, 26th, June 26th. OK, so, yeah, they're, they're on June 26th. Um, so, yeah. Just be cool to see if Star if The Rise of Skywalker does get any wins. Um kind of going on to the next story. Um, there's a new plush toy coming out from the for the Mandalorian for Grogu. Um it's kind of a small thing, but the the Disney shop website is like is releasing just these little plush Grogu's with like bowls of food. Like toy bowls of food thing. Like so like you can make little, it look like yeah, he's, he's these- eating this little food um in like tentacles he's and stuff. got like a little bowl of tentacles yeah he's got like a frog he, i would have been funny if he had like the little uh little eggs yeah <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah from- that would be great um yeah i think that's cool i think it'd be a great addition um especially to like the groger that everybody has that i have mm-hmm. the uh like the, the target with the big plastic head um what other are you think there are any other ways you can make Grogu into a toy that they haven't already done. I want to look at what they've already done, but I'm like, what's something absurd off the top Literally of my head everything. That, like, that like Grogu could do? Um, oh, you know what I want? You know what I want? Um, those, what are those babies that like you can, those baby toys, you can feed them and then they poop? Oh my God. <laughs> I want that, but Grogu eating the eggs He's and they, Grogu, they, they yeah. poop out the frog creatures. Yeah. Feed critters to baby Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> like a baby alive thing. Space poop. <laughs> no, not space poop. It'll, he, he actually poops out the frogs he poops, that he, he poops, eats. Oh, oh, okay. He poops real See, poop. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, what do we have next? Um, up next, John Favreau was nominated by the DGA for uh, directing Chapter Nine, The Marshal. Um, the DGA award, uh, the the Directors Guild Award, is what DGA is, and essentially uh, they will be taking place on April tenth, and it will be a virtual one. Um, that's, I mean, like that's good for him. I think it's kind of interesting that, like, well, I I think it's funny that they selected that specific episode when like you can tell they're just kind of nominating him for creating the Mandalorian overall. Yeah, but also we got we got the crate dragon scene. And that's that was a pretty that was a really well directed yeah, scene. Yeah, that's true. And like that whole episode is just like it felt like a, a movie. It was like a one act Star Wars movie. You yeah. Know? It was like a nice Western like return to formula Star Wars kind of Yeah, right. While also following you know, like monster movie motifs and Yeah. 
I so thought it was, cool. yeah, it was a great entry into the second season of The Mandalorian after watching the first season. Um, but yeah, I th- well deserved. I don't know who he's up against. Um, I didn't look at the nominations. I didn't either. But, but like, yeah, I mean, it, again, it'd be cool if Star Wars got some more of those kind of awards. Um, I definitely think that there are a lot of episodes in season two that either are overhyped or way, way <laughs> underhyped. I just think season two itself is really good. And I think it's kind of interesting that um, a lot of people on social media are turning it to sound like it's this big, like dumb, like lazy written season, but like is, I guess it's people don't like cameos. <laughs> I guess people don't like, don't like special, you know, like familiar yeah, faces. And people also, I don't know. They don't like when things feel like when they don't feel epic in scale, they don't feel like there's a big cameo coming or there's a big, you know, something coming because so one of my favorite episodes in season two was, was episode two with the frog lady and the ice spiders and all that fun stuff. Cause that's just like what speaks to me as like a fun star Wars adventure without having to like shoehorn in things like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker, which I do love. I do love all those moments and all those characters we get to see in live action, but I just like whenever the story can speak for itself without relying on characters. I'm not saying the Mandalorian season two does cause there are, the story does, you know, it calls for those characters to be brought in. I just think that, it doesn't need to do that when, when you have episodes like that, that are more contained. Yeah. I definitely agree that they like, they 100% could have just like built their own route of what they were doing. And I bet you everyone still would have liked it fine, but it's also the fun of like, let's see what some characters are up to that, you know, some might mix that we wouldn't necessarily expect together. Yeah. Bo-Katan and Luke Skywalker in the same room kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So speaking of the Mandalorian, uh, we have a little bit of news here when it comes to the visual guide and the novel that were um, supposed to come out. We have heard tell that they have both been canceled. Um, DK Books put out a tweet saying that their visual guide is no longer happening and that um, the story of the Mandalorian will continue to unfold on the screen. So it looks like they're more pushing towards they're more pushing towards keeping the stories told in the world of the Mandalorian kind of in the show itself, instead of having these supplemental materials, um, at least for now, it looks like, cause it looks like they're kind of keeping it under wraps, what direction they're going for season three, especially with the novel was supposed to be just some original story. Mando story. Gonna, yeah. It was going to be some original Mando story and that has been completely canceled. And they said the same thing. We're going to let the story continue to unfold on screen. Why do you think they're doing that? Like, what do you think is the purpose of them just canceling these publications that are supposed to come out? Initially, I thought this was a damage control response to firing Gina Carano. I still also kind of think it's that. I think they're changing. Yeah, like they low-key had a lot of Gina Carano stuff. I think they're changing stuff up, yeah, to essentially make it not as, to make it more obsolete. Um, Do you remember when Rise of Skywalker came out? And the visual guide came out afterwards and it was revealed that, uh, Oh, hold on. I want to get her name right before I, um, Naomi Aki's character, who was Jana, the, uh, they're like the horse riding people on the Endor moon and what, you know, you know, Skywalker. Um, 
it was revealed that her character was the long lost daughter of Lando in the visual guide. Well, it's alluded to. It's, it's not a, confirmed. It's, it's it's like alluded to, but it's like, yeah, like the whole thing is that like she was taken and whatnot. And it was like heavily. It's like it was like more solidified in the visual guide that like they were related rather than it being like, you know, they just look at each other in the movie. So I almost well, wonder, let's find out. Yeah. Right. I almost wonder if the Mando visual guide had stuff and then the writing teams showed up and were like, Hey, we're changing things more, not necessarily maybe, maybe with just Gina Carano's firing, but just kind of plot stuff in general. Maybe they just want to keep Mando to the TV and merchandise toys. I didn't think about it, that that is probably exactly why they're pulling those publications because they probably did have stories with Cara Cara Dune in them. And um, I think they're basically planning on just just setting that character to the side and never bringing her up again. (laughs) That's kind of disappointing, but like, I guess that's cool or whatever. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what they're going to, what's, what's going to happen with that. Um, But yeah, what is the last story before we get to our discussion? Um, So the final uh, story, Disney CEO, Bob Chapek uh, reaffirms that Kathleen Kennedy's secure future at Lucasfilm. Apparently there was kind of some word going around that she, um, was probably There's going been to be word going around for that, that since like, 2015. Yeah, so. There was there was newer yeah newer rumors that she may be leaving recently. She's not. You know uh, earlier this was today was this today yeah earlier today. Yep. Uh, Disney hosted a conference call for their investors to discuss the uh, state of the company. Essentially, um, quote: We've been absolutely thrilled that we can have the creative talent in our company, the likes of Kathleen Kennedy. We look forward to having Kathleen directing Lucasfilm activities for years to come. That's from. Um, Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney. Um, I definitely think, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's been around forever. Kathleen Kennedy's been on some big projects too. You know, I don't think, I don't think people realize the experience and power and like, just uh, uh, experience is really the main word I wanted to use that Kathleen yeah. has. And I think a lot of people hold ill will towards her just because of the decisions that, came from the sequel trilogy, but I also think that because of that response and those decisions, uh, they are now focusing their work in a direction that, um, how do I, I, I want to reword this, Lars, sorry, I'm rambling on. Um, she's got the experience, you know, that after making some, some calls that were questionable from the sequel trilogy and getting that response, she's smart enough to know uh, what people want, what people like to make further and more content that people can uh, fully enjoy all the way around, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that a lot of people immediately want to turn blame at her when it comes to every single detail they hate about the sequel trilogy. But like, and yeah, she a, didn't there's have there's a lot yeah. of man babies on the internet that, kind of claim that she disgustingly brought feminism to star Wars and that she, <laughs> she has an agenda that she's bringing to star Wars. That's trying to make women take over. Yeah. Strong and female characters didn't exist in star Wars before. Yeah. Kathleen like Kennedy. a lot of disgusting takes on like why feminism is bad for star Wars and like all this stupid, stupid stuff. Um, I've never been one to, um, you know, campaign for her being fired or her being let go. And people were bringing up that her contract was 
I think it was like last year, her contract only went up until like 2019 or 2020. And people were like, Ooh, they're, they're finally going to get Kevin Feige to take over star Wars. Here we go. And obviously that never happened. She renewed her contract and I think she, she's a fantastic producer. She yeah, I will agree. go down I, in the hall of fame of some of the best film producers of all time. She, you know, all the Amblin stuff she's produced and all the stuff she's done for Spielberg and like almost every great blockbuster you can think of. Kathleen Kennedy's name is in there somewhere. Yeah. Right. So um, yeah, she's just so good at making and producing well-received and very, I mean, aside from, you know, the controversial and divisive Star Wars sequels, you can't deny that they've all made a billion dollars. Like every single Star Wars movie besides Solo that has come out has made a billion dollars. And like, there are bad calls. Like, that's okay. Like, at least people are willing to admit that there were mistakes without like admitting that like the whole thing is garbage. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's mainly just people trolls on the internet just saying, you know, she ruined this and now we have to ruin her. And I'm just like, you know, you're just, it's like easy there. Yeah. I just, you've never made a mistake. Like I kind of tone all those people out and I personally don't think the sequels, you know, I don't think there were mistakes. I think that I think I recognize that there are aspects about the production of the sequels that could have been more organized and they could have been a little more cohesive. Um, But I, I also think that, the stories that were able to be told in the sequels is something that I personally connect with and something that I really like. Um, but I can see why people, you know, have very, very much ill will towards the sequels. Um, but you know, that's, that's just, that's just how things go. It's Um, not worth hating over. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not worth trying to get, you know, the person who's responsible for bringing so many great star Wars things back. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to Star Wars. Of course, we talk about it almost every episode, how much new Star Wars we're getting and how many opportunities for storytelling and great stories. Um, <laughs> and people just don't, don't assume that that's Kathleen Kennedy making most of those those big yeah. decisions I mean, and finalizing everyone those. About, everyone talks about hating Kathleen Kennedy as if she didn't have anything to do with making the Mandalorian that everybody loves. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I think so. that's all. All that conversation is silly, and I think you know, I'm I'm glad that she'll be on for however long they'll Disney will keep her on. So yeah, I I completely agree, and I, I'm excited to see what more we will come from uh, her in the future. You know, yeah, for sure. So um, well, we kind of wanted to move on. Just since uh, there wasn't a lot of news this week again, um, we kind of wanted to come on and talk about some of our favorite weapons in star wars i mean of course lightsabers and blasters but also some more obscure weapons that um aren't really talked about enough so kind of starting out what do you think is your favorite just type of weapon in all time of star wars um i think to stick with classics uh i'm a big fan of the uh the stormtrooper blasters i'm blanking on the name of it right now Oh, the E-11 blaster. Is that what it is? The E-11? Yeah. Then what's Boba Fett's blaster? The EE-3. I'm sorry. It's the e- the EE-3 is Boba Fett. So, yeah. So, my top three are the E-11s, the Re- Rebel, you know, 
uh, rifle that they had that had like the little scope on it, but it looked longer, looked more like yeah. a, like a classic kind of rifle to it. And then Boba Fett's EE three. I like just the, the weird kind of shape to it, but like, you know, it, it, it looks like a very like common, like it just, it's a tube and a stock. Like that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But like, I just always thought it looked cool. Like it was so bland. It, it's such a simple design, but like they made it look neat and like it's a blaster. Would you expect that to be a, like a gun, you know? Yeah. I think, the way my list kind of goes, it's kind of weird. One, of course, the lightsaber. I mean, I just, that that was my go-to weapon of anything Star Wars as a kid was just like, that was the reason why I love Star Wars so much was the lightsabers. Um, Chewbacca's bowcaster. Oh, yeah. Love that thing. Um, oh, it, this is also an honorable mention, but I also love um, Han Solo's I was going to say his, is it that, his blaster that the, pistol. The DL-44, that's his blaster. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, the Death Star is a super weapon. <laughs> the, and, the big gun. <laughs> yeah. They should have just called it the big gun. Um, but yeah, I love the Death Star as a weapon, too. Well, I'll throw in just a little side question that we can talk about. What's your favorite sounding weapon? Like Definitely the lightsaber. The Absolutely lightsaber. lightsaber. Uh, yeah. It's it's actually for me, it's Django Fett's pistols. Oh yeah. His you know in Attack of the Clones, his his shing shing sound. I love that. I just thought that was always a very like aesthetically pleasing sound. Yeah, and we also can't forget about this the um what are they called? The the thermal detonators. Yeah, the grenades. The, yeah. uh, the clicking sounds. Of, I had a hot. I had a toy from Disney World that was a hot potato thermal detonator, and you slid up on the thing, and it started beeping down at you, and you play hot potato till it exploded. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. You can only play it once. No, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> it explodes and everybody <laughs> dies. Explodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but speaking of kind of lightsabers, whose lightsaber do you think is your whose lightsaber hilt? We'll start out with is your favorite. Um, besides the obvious of Obi-Wan's, um, and I guess I'll, I'll briefly talk about, it. I like the, uh, I was like the, the like hilt and, you know, blade emitter style of, you know, the, that thinner neck, but it kind of flattens out on top. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I always thought that kind of looked cool. How like the blade emerged from this, like seemingly flat top looking, uh, yeah. saber, um, as it comes to. Yeah, definitely Obi-Wan's as well. I like Mace Windu's. I was like just how Mace Windu's looked. The gold and yeah. Yeah. Um my my favorite story of a lightsaber hilt is uh Palpatine's because uh the reason they're covered in gold is because Jedi masters when when they become masters, they put gold or bronze on their lightsabers yeah. to deem that they're masters. So Palpatine just covered his in gold and was and just like, Mace, yeah. Mace also had, and Yoda has no gold on his lightsaber, but Mace does. Um, and I think that's really cool. How like that also is kind of hinting, you know, the fact that he has the amethyst crystal and also the gold on it, it kind of like signifies that he is kind of tapping into the dark. But I think, I, it, it it's it changes every single time I think about it. I like a lot of them. That's yeah. That's the problem. yeah. My, I think my number one that I my go to is the classic Luke slash Anakin slash Ray saber. The, just yeah, the Skywalker one. Just the the classic Skywalker saber. I just think it's so like just the meaning behind it and the story behind even like the behind the scenes of making it. How it's just like that camera flash remote yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. Um. And 
Yeah, it's just like, and it was always the most comfortable to hold in my hand whenever I was a kid. Um, but I also love the Qui-Gon Jinn saber. Uh, oh, yeah. Only because it's so not Star Wars. Like that, that lightsaber hilt. Well, it's like, a very like basic design. Like, yeah, it's just. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of weird because like it's mostly black. Yeah. Um, with just like that metal kind of, you know, uh, like Ben surrounding it. Yeah. I really like the uh, the Empire Age, the the Rebels Maul lightsaber, where it's it's half uh, Savage Oppressors and the other half yeah, is yeah. an Inquisitor blade that he took and he uses it as a cane. Love that. I thought I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, and then of course I love I love Kylo Ren's cross saber, cross guard saber. I think that's probably the best designed lightsaber. Yeah, just creatively like at least, at least just like the braid the blade and sound design of it just and with so, all the, like the wires and stuff coming yeah, out of it, it nothing i've never seen or thought of before it makes it look like somebody like on mythbusters made a lightsaber or something <laughs> yeah right like a, like an actual real world lightsaber yeah um, another one i think is cool is kane and jarris's i love yeah. how, he, how he clicks them together and it looks like a katana hilt yeah i love ahsoka's sabers too uh, I love Ahsoka's white sabers, the curved style yeah. that she has. Those are always, those are cool. Yeah. Very Asian influence. Um, Kurosawa, classic George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other, Oh, um, Obi-Wan's attack of the clones hilt with the little ball, like the knob. Oh on the bottom. yeah. Yeah. Um, that one's a good one. <laughs> Ezra Briz- Bridgers. I'm on a, on a rebels. I'm just, that's where I'm thinking his, his uh, first two seasons, the gun, Oh, black, that was. I'm sorry. Saber. I'm <laughs> sorry. I thought that was dumb, and I'm glad that they only let him have that for like two yeah, seasons. I'm glad that they like didn't let him keep it for a while. But I always thought it was fun. It, it was a very Ezra move of like he just made shit makeshift this lightsaber blaster thing yeah, that probably that was, was going to blow also, up in his hand at some point. <laughs> that was also, I think, Filoni and, and that whole animation team's idea of like revolutionizing another style of lightsaber and it didn't catch on it so did, it's kind of like took yeah, it away like, all right, we'll just give him a green one uh <laughs> yeah um what are some other just weapons in star wars that are kind of obscure and no one really talks about um i think the uh the genosin uh blasters yeah. was like the like you're a big blaster things. guy aren't you i am a big blaster guy i just i think the sound design of them are really cool and i just always yeah. think it's like it's cool seeing what each planet blaster holds because like a lot of them maybe just be normal and shoot red blue or green lasers from them but like the looks and like the designs and the sleekness and like the sound design is is obviously the big thing from it so yeah i just always like blasters yeah and i i i like how we never really saw this in a star wars movie or anything but in the mandalorian how um din um, in, in season two in that Bill Burr episode he runs out of ammo like laser charge and that's the first time we really see does he really? I think a character yeah you, you don't remember that how he he's it does it jam or does it does he run out of like laser charge when he's when are you talking is he when, when he's, he, when he's on, on top the... of that big um like that transport when they're going to yeah i don't maybe it does jam or i guess it does run out of charge i think he runs out of charge or something and that's the first time we ever because you always you always imagine that that's just like unlimited blaster yeah, action but like, they've talked about like you know ammo and whatnot and like conserving it but yeah we've never seen 
we never seen it happen like it happened in, I agree, in yeah. the story um yeah i just think that's kind of a cool thing and then some other honorable mentions obviously uh the best gar staff the best gar i mean that's uh, just so cool the tuscan raider uh uh, is it get Gatterfy? Gatterfy? The the big, you know. Oh yeah, the, the thing that Boba, Boba Fett that is Boba able Fett to uses. just yeah. rip people <laughs> just... apart in. Yeah. Um, and there's also you know, in the Force Awakens, we have those like riot control batons with the tasers at the end that can go yeah, against right. lightsabers. Well, I, I think it's cool, like how technology as the eras progressed, like became more suitable to fight against lightsabers because that was yeah. like the most dangerous thing you could encounter. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I like how like the precursor, like the the uh, uh, General Grievous's his uh, Magna Guard droids that had the electro. All oh, the electro steps. Yeah, yeah, those were always. I, love, I, was, I always love the sound design. I of was those. about to say, yeah, those were really cool to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't really think of any other that we haven't covered that um, you know isn't in some obscure Star Wars comic that um, I haven't read. I guess just kind of the class, like the the simple like cycle rifles, you know, the mark, just the simple rifles that they have, or mm-hmm. uh, or those um those one weird blasters they have in the Phantom Menace that all the, like all those people in the capital of the Theed City um have. Oh, they like they look all weird. They look like so thin. Oh, I know it. Yeah, like the Naboo style. Yeah, uh, yeah. those are I, those are weird. I was like uh, the little scout trooper pistols that they had. Yeah. But like I had tons of toys of those of those little little hand pistols that they had. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, well, cool. <laughs> we can we can uh, we can move on to questions. Um, we had a couple this week. Uh, we reached out, and also, you know, if you if you want to be part of this part of the show and you want to ask us questions, please do. We talk about them again every Thursday whenever we request them. Um, so yeah, our first question comes from Twitter at Barnyard Bernard, our friend Thomas, and they say, roughly, how much goo can Jar Jar Binks ingest in one hour? What is the question <laughs> that everybody is asking? What does that even mean? What? <laughs> Well, now hold on. I want to establish what goo, what what goo, what goo. Just you know, you're one of the line goo. Just you know, average common goo. Which yeah. you know, just basic now, like trash goo. Is it like edible? Because it's Star Wars, there could be edible goo. Like it's a meal. Yeah. You know, is it like, dude's Jar Jar got to go to the goo buffet and stock let's up just, on goo? Or yeah, is let's it- just assume Jar Jar walks into the goo buffet. Um, he gets a big old, you know, big old bowl of goo. He he buys like a family pack so he can stay there for like four hours. And yeah, you, you like ha- you have to pay the buffet hourly a certain amount of credits. Um, he goes <laughs> in with a, a whole a whole bag full of credits. I- and how much? <laughs> how many bowls of goo? <laughs> roughly Mr. Senator, you can't stay bowls. here for six hours and eat all our goo. Like <laughs> yeah, um, roughly basketball size bowls of goo. How many do you think he could ingest in one hour space time? I'm going to say 17. Because he just inhales. He just inhales those suckers. <laughs> the dude just, just crushes He's them. He's crushing just them no, bowls of goo No one can day. eat a, bo- a bowl of goo like Senator Jar Jar Binks. Ooh, um. <laughs> man, no, no, no one makes a bowl of goo <laughs> like Jar Jar, man. He's got the best goo recipe. You, could, you should try it. Um... 17 yeah I'll, I'll probably sit around that i'll round up the 20 i think why not i think he can i think he can push it to know like oh yeah I'll at least get in a good even number with uh with one hour 
That's that's yeah. incredible. I'm I'm glad we get asked such serious Star Wars pondering I'm, questions that we can really um, theorize have, about. Have questions that only you and I can answer and build more of the Star Wars universe that they can, you know, take our conversations and make it canon because they listen to us. Yeah, we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to write the the goo buffet a Star Wars story now. <laughs> Goo Buffet opened by Dexter Jexter and, and Yaddle. <laughs> they became business partners. And, but Yaddle, Yaddle is specifically the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, she owns part of the company, but kept her position as uh, as dishwasher. She's the lead dishwasher. That, do not discount Yaddle and her dishwashing abilities. The lead goo washer. That's her official title and co-owner. So she she has keys to the building. That's horrible. That's the worst thing I think That's we've awful. ever talked about. I hate here. this. All right, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> so uh, at Cinema Shakedown, friends of the show, asks, um, what is the most underappreciated Star Wars film or series? I'll let you take the lead on this one. Um, I'm probably going to give you a serious answer and tell you that it's Star Wars Resistance. Um, really? I haven't watched it yet. I've only seen like the first two seasons, but it's apparently also really good. It apparently yeah. follows the same like theme that like it starts out as a kid show and then eventually becomes an adult and show. It's also and never in the conversation of whenever people are talking about Star Wars shows I or agree. like animated shows. It's never in the conversation. But I've also heard it's got really good character arc. Um, I've heard it's got uh, very interesting and fun villains. Uh, and I've heard mm-hmm. that it also gives you new and fre- like refreshing star Wars content without it just being, you know, a show that takes place in the sequel era. So yeah, I, I think it's still going. I, I don't know if it is or not. Oh, I have no clue. Um, I think it might've done three seasons and then they just kind of stopped may, from there. If it isn't still going, then they may have just recently finished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a couple answers. Um, my first one, I think I wouldn't call it underappreciated. I would just call it, not enough people give it a chance because people are so caught up in, you know, the Clone Wars and how good the Clone Wars is, is Rebels. I think a lot more people need to sit down and watch Rebels like they are like they watch the Clone Wars. I agree. And you will find so many amazing, amazing Star Wars moments that you won't the, find anywhere else. The character arcs and the general writing of each episode for Rebels is so good and just progressively grows just it's so as, the show, too. Pro- as yeah. the show continues on. Just it gets better and better and better and it's like they knew everything that they wanted right away and it was so detailed and so fleshed out and, oh, and yeah, the I character building agree. is so good Just and so the dynamic good. between all the characters and the way like they like even the first couple even like that first pilot kind of like they had that little movie like hour long like uh the lothal whatever it was called oh spark of rebellion spark of rebellion oh the, okay yeah, yeah, yeah i know what you're talking about yeah um I think even in just that, you come to like and you, you you know these characters so quickly and you kind of, you know, you got Zeb and you got Kanan and you've got Ezra and you had all these, Sabine, so many great, and you got Chopper. Chopper's so good. He's such an underappreciated droid too. But um, yeah, I think definitely Rebels. And then I think if we're talking movie, we're talking Star Wars films. What do you think is the most underappreciated Star Wars film? Well, um, underappreciated. Um, just in your view, just one that you like a lot that not a lot of people do. 
it's Attack of the Clones. It's Attack of the Clones. It's it's just I don't know why, but I I have grown to actually really like Attack of the Clones, and I I just love the uh, the life that that movie kind of has. Everyone talks about how it's it's so boring, nothing happens, but like. I love the Anakin and Padme, you know, just bonding scenes that they have. And like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think the whole mystery that Obi-Wan, you know, that's Obi-Wan's whole thing is that he's just trying to solve who, who's trying to kill Padme. Uh, um, and I just, I don't know. Everyone's like, it's so boring. Nothing happens. But like, Obi-Wan gets a lot done. <laughs> like, yeah, Obi-Wan builds, like helps finish off this army that there, that was being built. And, and you like, even get that great Geonosis kind of coliseum jedi all-out jedi war yeah, right like that's kind of cool too um, um yeah i think i definitely agree that's it's not it's in my lower like in my ranking it's it's a little lower but that doesn't mean i don't like it like i really do like it a lot it's not like it's not like a crazy bombshell movie like everything yeah. that happens isn't like this huge ordeal but like it, it's definitely everything that happens in the in in it is such a like it's a really good setup to revenge of the sith exactly like it's, it's a yeah. really good setup to revenge of the sith and like i don't think people give that enough credit because they're just like ew attacking the clones and you're just like well like uh, the scenes in it more specifically like padme and anakin scenes are very real to me they're very yeah. you know just the the scene where they're in the field and they're just kind of talking about the state of politics like Everyone's like, ew, like it's political nonsense, you know? And it's like, George Lucas doesn't know how to write politics. I'm like, George Lucas made up these politics as he's going along. Like, let the man just have like a like a, a conversation that he's building in his, in his room about like the state of the world that he's created. Like, I just thought that was cool and interesting. And yeah. like, and it, it's th- those scenes are supposed to feel uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah, that's, like, because like they're they're basically, if you think about it kind of like two late teens who like low key like each other, but neither, neither one of them knows how to express it. So they're just like <laughs> one uncomfortable of and one like, of them's a Senator and a queen. They know like their connection is not good. Like they don't, they, they shouldn't be having this connection, but they do. And they have to like, they're wrestling with that the whole movie. And I think that the way it's executed can be kind of cringy, but the deeper meaning behind those scenes, I think it works really well. Um, everyone already knows my answer. Um, movie wise, obviously the last Jedi, I think is the most underappreciated star Wars movie because there are so many people who just think that the last Jedi ruined star Wars as a whole. And I could not disagree with anybody who says that more. Um, I could, you know, that's a whole other podcast, um, episode, but I just think that you, you have to watch the last Jedi with some heart and you have to open, open your heart when watching the last Jedi and pay attention to what it's trying to tell you and pay attention to the themes that Ryan Johnson has brought to the table and how you can apply those themes to your entire view of star Wars. Like it changes your view of star Wars. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I I think, um, for me and I I think a lot of others too is, um, I'll admit initially I wasn't, it's not that I didn't like the last Jedi when it came out. I didn't know exactly how I felt about it. It challenges you. It, it does. Cha- yeah. It's definitely cause it throws you in. Yeah. It, it, it subverts all of your expectations of how you think some characters are going to go, or at least just 
how or you just think. like ex- expectations of what a Star Wars movie can be. Yeah, I I agree. And over time, I know I say people as a general term, normal Star Wars fans, not the yeah. crazies, have casual have, fans. Yes, have learned to appreciate the last Jedi if they didn't already love it. You know. Yeah. And I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people went into the last went into the last Jedi wanting to hate it because of their, you know, how they felt about the Force Awakens and how they thought it was a rehash of a new hope. A lot of people went in like, oh, this is just the sequels. This was going to suck anyway. You know, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Again, guess. that was it was even worse with things like Solo and Rise of Skywalker. Like that was crazy. Um, but yeah, I just think that. Um, if if you're listening right now and you do have a big problem with the last Jedi and you really don't like it, I ch- I challenge you, I challenge you to watch the movie one more time, open your heart, listen to what the characters are saying, listen to what is going on in the movie, try to keep yourself free of judgment. I know it could be hard, but if you do that, I think you will a new appreciation will grow within you when you're watching the movie listen to how the characters were viewed previously, you know, and that's a little easier to do with some older characters, i.e. Luke and Leia and all that. But like, you know, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, I think that's our show this week. That was Um, fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening to our, our news uh, episode this week. Um, If you want to find us on our social medias, you can find us at um, through Imperialized pod on Instagram and at imperialized pod on twitter and for the youtube you can search us up right there it is through imperialized podcasts um and if you search that up will come up please subscribe we do release all of these episodes on youtube as well um and also make sure to tune in next week or i guess to be the end of this week saturday uh, we'll be talking Return of the Jedi with a special guest. Um, Jackson, where can they find you on your social medias? You can find me on Twitter at QuaxonScalene. That's Q-U-A-C-K-S-O-N and then Scalene like the triangle. Uh, you can follow my photography Instagram, which is at Deline underscore photography and Deline spelled D-A-L-E-E-N. Um, Braden, what about you? As always, you can find me on Twitter at Bradathlon and on Instagram at Braden Ledbetter, just my first name, last name. Um, so please guys if you do have questions we do take them at the end of the show as you can see um, please hit up our social medias anything that we just said before um, we really do appreciate questions and giving us discussions to talk about that you you guys actually want to hear us talk about instead of us kind of guessing what we think people want to hear here but um, yeah and you, there's also an option there's a link in the show notes for this if you want to leave us a voice message too um, you're basically a guest on the show when you do that so um, go do that but yeah like I said, please be on the lookout for this weekend for our next Imperial Cantina episode. Um, but until then, if Jackson doesn't have anything else. Uh, actually, uh, happy belated birthday. By the time this episode will come out, it'll be belated. But it's it's today while we're talking uh, to Oscar Isaac. Um, happy birthday, Oscar Isaac. Good, good for Oscar Isaac for making it another year. So, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> cool. Well, happy birthday, Oscar Isaac. And until next week, may the force be with you.